0: Friday, the 26th of February 2021, and this is the 100th episode of Uncle Jim's World of Bonds. It's Jim, it's for professional investors only, and it's never investment advice. Uh, Not just the 100th episode, but also went through 30,000 listeners um, a couple of days ago. So thank you very much for tuning in over the past year. It is one year since financial markets uh, took their first big bath um, around the time of coronavirus lockdown. Expectations growing. We didn't lock down until March, but I remember this time last year, things were pretty empty in the office. We were also sending people home who'd been away for half term on holiday with the kids if they've been to Italy or if they had been on business travel to Asia. So we were kind of quarantining people about a year ago and financial markets had started to, uh, to collapse, especially equity markets over that period and things were feeling pretty bleak. Um, In my head, on the kind of one-year anniversary of the big stock market falls that we saw, I was going to be looking back at markets over the past year and a kind of historical update of what asset classes had done. But there's way too much going on in fixed income markets at the moment, and especially government bond markets. We are now in the middle of a massive bond tantrum. Um someone called it last night a taperless tantrum. In in contrast to the taper tantrum that we had when people worried about the Fed reducing the amount of QE or unwinding QE back in the day. This is really um happening even with massive support from the Fed and Jay Powell. uh Powell talking about you know no need to withdraw uh, any stimulus at all, and the Fed has got this obviously average inflation target that's going to allow some inflation back into the system. They've tried to make it very clear that there is no taper planned. Nevertheless, uh, markets are selling off dramatically. So for most of January, I was bemoaning the fact that 10-year U.S. Treasury bond yields were stuck at or just below 1.1 percent. You know, volatility was incredibly low. It was a bit dull. Um, But yesterday, following a a weak US seven-year Treasury bond auction, weak meaning that there wasn't the demand that people had expected, we got up to 1.6% on the 10-year, and that was a a move of over 10 basis points following on from days of losses in global fixed-income markets. Uh, Someone worked out that we are now $5 less in terms of the amount of global negative-yielding debt as of yesterday than we were in December. So there's still $14 trillion worth of bonds with a negative yield out there, but that's $5 trillion less than it was in December. And obviously, following last month's move, um, it's going to be even lower than that $14 trillion. So why, um, why, why is this happening? What's going on? Obviously, there is some optimism here, and that will give the Fed some Um, hope really you know this is about good news this is about uh, the markets anticipating a return to normality and there's certainly some of that in this and we'll talk about that in a minute Uh, There's also a factor going on called negative convexity. Um, I I won't blame you if you don't know what that is, but really it's the reaction of mortgage bond markets to what's going on in treasury markets. So in the United States, obviously you know that the mortgage bond market is huge. We have residential mortgage-backed securities in the UK and in Europe, but they're a relatively small bit of the market, whereas in the States... Uh, lots and lots of mortgages get turned into bonds via the mechanism of uh, what you'll know as Freddie and Fannie and, and other providers. Mortgages get packaged up into very liquid, high, highly rated bonds and they sit in portfolios roughly with the same credit ratings as US Treasuries. So portfolio managers own them alongside their US Treasury holdings. The difference is, and this is quite a US specific factor, you have the right as a homeowner in the US to refinance your mortgage whenever you like. And that means that you have a free option effectively over, um, over your bank or your mortgage provider. So if you've borrowed, and people borrow for longer. So in the UK, two year, three year, five year mortgages, five years seem seemed to be relatively long to have a mortgage. Over in the States, 30 year mortgages, very, very common. And that means you've got a huge incentive to refinance your mortgage if we see bond markets move. And so if bond yields fall in the US, people in the US will hand back their mortgage to the bank and take out a new one from somewhere that's more cheaper. You know, even borrowing at 4% and rates fall to 2%, you'd be crazy not to refinance that and take out a new mortgage at 2% not entirely straightforward. There are fees involved sometimes, but nevertheless, it's it's relatively straightforward and common to do. And that means uh, the reverse is also true. If rates go up, nobody prepays their mortgage at all. You stick it with your 2% mortgage rather than say, oh, I will go and get a 4% one instead and if you're a bond investor who's invested in these bonds these mortgage backed bonds this has a massive impact on the duration of your portfolio and that's what the negative convexity means if interest rates fall it's like you're suddenly become shorter duration you know if you thought you had a duration of 7 years in your portfolio if rates fall suddenly um the average time which your bond, your mortgage-backed bond will repay gets much, much shorter. So you may have thought you had a seven-year bond, mortgage bond in your portfolio. Actually, the duration might have turned out to be five and a half years. And that means if you're measured against an index, um, you might rush out there and buy some more government bonds in order to boost the duration of your portfolio back to what you wanted it to be. And that really exacerbates any rally in government bonds. So we see this both on the upside and the downside. When yields fall, that rally is often exacerbated because people refinance their mortgages, people find that they're short duration in the mortgage bond market and have to go out and buy more US treasuries or mortgage bonds to fill that gap. When market rates fall, you have a slightly different dynamic. You, you, you realise that you've got more duration than you were expecting. You've modelled the duration of your portfolio, expecting um, a set level of repayments. If rates suddenly go up, as they have been doing over the course of uh, February in particular, suddenly you've got a lot more duration than you'd modelled in your portfolio and that means that you're going to have to sell something and that probably means that you go out there and you sell some government bond futures or some swaps or some physical bonds in your portfolio and that's really been happening in quite a big way over the past few days it happens particularly when we see the sharp move like we're seeing now so the direction of the move is exacerbated and of course this is has some circularity to it so If you haven't got round to doing your convexity hedging, but other people have, they've already forced the market against you even further, and so you have to do more and more, and so on and so forth. So that's one explanation we're getting for what happened last night. Things have calmed down a little bit this morning, so... Uh, That 10-year US Treasury is at 1.46%, so that's six basis points lower than it it closed um, last night in US time. And as I said, this is a fundamentally based rally as well, and the Fed will regard this generally as good news. Having said all of that, and in the interest of time, I won't go into this in, in, in any great detail, but when we see a move in bond markets, we can break it down into a move in real yields, Uh, That's the fundamental cost of interest rates adjusting for inflation. And we break it down into the inflation expectation component. And if this was purely about um, the reflation trade, if this was purely about animal spirits and people expecting um, inflation to make a comeback in the States, we would have seen break-even inflation rates as measured by um, TIPS we'd see them rise quite substantially last night as inflation expectations become embedded into bond prices. That hasn't been the case. In fact, break-even inflation rates have been falling the last couple of days and real yields have been rising. I'll talk about this a bit more next week, I think, but that is showing you that what's happened the last couple of days hasn't been about rising inflation expectations. It's about other things, and that might include um, expectations for government bond borrowing. You know, generally when governments borrow open bracket, open opening uh, quote marks too much, then people expect bond yields to rise and maybe it's a bit of that. Anyway, this is not just a US story. Um, this has now become a global story too. Um, Australia last night had to intervene in its bond markets. Australia has yield curve control, as does Japan, and that means that they don't just do QE Um, on a kind of volume of bonds argument. They target specific yields on the yield curve and uh, buy bonds to keep yields below those points. And last night they intervened at the three year point of the the yield curve Um, out of sequence. No one was expecting it to do so, uh, to to do an operation. But, you know, Australian government bonds have been absolutely whacked the last few days. I think they did another um, 18 basis points or something. Kiwi bonds too, getting absolutely smashed. Uh, Canada, as well, and Europe too, uh, and Europe getting smashed in a way that's caused both Philip Lane of the ECB, um, influential economist there at the European Central Bank, to talk about um, the threats of higher bond yields, they're monitoring the situation, and um, Isabel Schnabel um, said that she thought the move so far had been too abrupt and might threaten the recovery. in in the Eurozone. So people are starting to worry about what this might have, what impact it might have on risk assets. And and up to now, the answer has been very little at all. Um, But risk assets were off sharply last night, uh, reacting to those higher risk-free rates. So the S&P was down about 2.5%. We've seen uh, further falls in Asian stock markets overnight, including a 3% fall in the Nikkei. And credit is starting to, to widen a little bit. Credit being relatively well behaved, you know, if you look at a long term one year chart of um, credit spreads, you wouldn't see very much in it. But we did see a five basis point move higher um, in CDX investment grade in the US with physical bonds widening even more than that. So perhaps some, some signs of nervousness in the risky asset market following on from those terrible. Um, bond widening moves we saw in government bond markets over the past couple of days. Right, lots to talk about next week. Uh, there'll be a lot of soul searching over the weekend about what this means for investment portfolios. And I think next week will be pretty interesting. So uh, we'll see you back here again next time. Thanks again for all your support for Uncle Jim's World of Bonds. It's much appreciated. Have a good weekend.